welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. Joining us on the ABCA podcast this week is one of the best infield minds we have in the game, Nate Trotsky. There isn't a place in the world that Trotsky hasn't touched coaching infielders. Trotsky's been pushing the envelope and developing infielders for over 30 years. Trotsky's contributed over 10,000 players playing in college and over 500 in professional baseball, including 20-plus first-round MLB selections. This is a wide-open conversation on developing infielders. Let's welcome Nate Trotsky to the podcast. What's up? Hey, Ryan, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. There we go. Is it better? Yeah. Yep. Nice. So it's... Same everything. I'm in my mom's sewing room. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful spot. <laughs> Got all the stuff in here. Um, how, how, how was that minor league game? Uh, it was great. It was great. It was hot. Yeah. Um, but was we've, we've been blazing, but we uh, we got some rain. We got a ton of rain. It was pouring when I came over here. Oh, really? Where do you live? Uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Right on. Yeah. What you what's what college is close to you? Uh, a ton. <laughs> really? I mean, in, in town we have UNC Greensboro, High Point, uh, North Carolina A and T. We have Guilford College. I mean, there there's a ton, every level. And then uh, Wake Forest is like 18 minutes from our campus. Really? Uh, Charlotte's like an hour and 20, uh, Chapel Hill, uh, Duke, NC state are like 50 minutes. The USA complex is 50 minutes. Okay. So, we're, so wow. yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been to carry, I did some work there and I, and I just knew there was a million so that you just named like probably 10% of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got Campbell's here, Davidson, like East Carolina, like it, plus, you know, Charlottesville's close. James Madison's close. South Carolina's close, Coastal's close, like, you know, and, and then a, a bunch of the mid-majors, East Tennessee State, you know, UNC Asheville, like, just, you can. Are they all Division One, like, 90% of them? Yeah. Sounds like it. 
Yep. Wow. But then some of the best Division II baseball in the country is here. So, you know, um, Greenville won it two years mm-hmm. ago. Um, you know, Catawba's always been good. It's just it's, – it's crazy. It's crazy. Wow. All right, I'm ready. If you are, we'll get we'll get cracked. All right, part two here with with Nate. We had uh, technical difficulties. I don't know. It looks great now, but that that ha- that's happened maybe twice in like 200 episodes where it's frozen up. So I'm I'm glad to have you back on. Let's uh, get this thing cracking. I was going to ask you, you know, you talk a lot about arm slot. For me, I always talked about shoulder tilt more than arm slot. Is there a difference with that for you? Yeah, you know growing up and, and just being in the coaching world. So thing as a player, then in the coaching world, you know, I heard it the whole time. It's that, you know, basically your, your spine angle matches your release point and you stay connected. Right. And if you, and if you just raise up, you're in the same position as your natural position. But what I realized, you know, I'm, I'm doing this ABCA talk with you last year, you know, on the youth stage and the focus was three o'clock. And, and so what it, what it really did was it, it just put me in this place of, of study and, you know, what we do as coaches, we're really good with being limited with time because there's always so much time. And then we're really good at passing down information that we learn. You know, that's the way societies run, basically, right? You learn from your father, you learn from his father, you just pass it down. A lot of times we don't have time to think through or go into deep study of really what really happens. And so, I mean, I'll tell you what I saw, and it's the absolute opposite. And what you see is, and you'll see it in that poster that I sent you called the 10 release points. That poster took me you know, it took me about six months to find, I had to go through about 800,000 pictures because you can't just find all these different release points. So what I did was I went through and I'm looking at all the release points from really 12 o'clock all the way down to about 4.30 and then all the in-betweens. And, and it's like, when do we use these release points and what is the position of the body? Well, what I started to see was at three o'clock across the board, and, and, and as you know, major leaguers are the most durable and sustainable players in the world. They play 162 for the season and they have the preseason, which is spring training, right? And they're playing around 30 and then they go to the postseason and they play 217 games in 240 days if they make game seven of the World Series. So that's pre, in, and post. So that's 217 games. And these guys don't break down. You know, when they're going into the to the, the playoffs, right, and then to the World Series, their arm, they're still throwing, if they're a 92 guy across the diamond, they're still throwing 92. They're not down to 84 because their arm hurts, right? And so what I started to see was, all these guys at three o'clock, three o'clock parallel to the ground, their, their spine angle is perfectly straight. And the reason why I really noticed it was because I'm big on head position. And so I just came up with this phrase called the T-frame. The T-frame is, is the nose is lined up with the spine and the shoulders are parallel. And so at release, if I could control my posture, what happens is it controls my release point. Now, what I started to see was in the T-frame as guys start to climb Guys still can stay in this T-frame, but once they get to about one o'clock on a backhand, you'll usually see a slight tilt, right? The opposite direction, but not all guys. Some guys maintain a perfect T. Uh, Correa does it the most because he's a max effort thrower. He pulls with his head and he really tries to get on top. But, you know, when you go to the right, ball right throw high, so we start to climb. Um, not every guy goes here. Well, you start to see... The guys that are throwing at three o'clock at a distance. So like Arenado is the master of three o'clock. So is Baez. And they use three o'clock as much, if not more, than their natural release point, which would be about 1.5, you know, between one and two in that range there, right? And, and they're using it across the diamond in the whole ball, ball right and far throws. And their ball sustains this, this true spin. Now, what you started to see was, is you start, I'm, I'm going, wait a minute here. And I have thousands of pictures of guys at three 
Now, once they start dropping down below three, what you'll see is, is, is the throw below three o'clock is usually a shorter throw, right? Short throw, throw low, right? And then and the catch low, throw low. Well, if I'm doing a double play feed, right? And I don't need velocity. I don't need that carry. What happens is, and I'm running out of time because it's a feed, right? It's a short throw or it's a double play. I'm coming in for that two-hand slow roll or a bare hand. I'm falling off balance. I don't have time to come up and I don't need to come up because I don't need any extra torque or velocity in, in my, my throw, in my motion. So so what happens is, is it's, it's low ball throw low when you're running out of time, short throw throw low. So I'm going to stay down there when I don't have time and I don't need that leverage. Now, guys that are throwing, let's say, let's say you see uh, Jose Ramirez coming in for, let's just say, a chopper backhand towards the line. He's not going to catch it and throw. He's not going to connect with his chest down with his arm. He's going to stay up. You know, boom, Ramirez. Hey, and for anybody listening right now, Nate's taking his glove right to his chest, which that was my big, big cue there on double play feeds was get your glove to your chest as quick as you could to get the ball out. That's awesome. That's good. Another great teach right there, baby. Let's go. Hey, so you, really, talk, you talk about Arenado a lot, not having good feet. Like, I think he's got pretty good feet, but obviously his arm strength, accuracy, all those things make up for maybe not having elite feet. He's also a third baseman as well, but he still makes some unbelievable plays, even though he may have marginal feet. But, I mean, you, you've talked a lot about his arm and how much he works on his arm. Yeah. And, I mean, he's he's – You've said it a million times how many gold gloves he's got, but, I mean, he's worked on his throwing so much, it makes up for a little bit of his deficiency with his feet, correct? Right. We, we tell guys, we say, you know, it, it all goes bad. We talked about in episode one was really your identity. And if you talk to a thrower, throwers don't have an identity. They just go play catch. They come back. They don't have specific goals of who I am as a thrower. And so this is what I came up with a couple of years ago saying, guys, we have to have an identity. First of all, are you the CEO? Are you the CEO of the CEO? Are you a grinder, a poser, a cruiser, a loser? And so first you got to identify who you are because there's five physical tools. And as you know, on defense, there's more throwing errors. And more mistakes are made on the throwing side. It's two-base advancement as well, right? So we're going, this is a priority, but it's not a priority. Even though we have catch-play routines, there's ways to improve upon it, right? And you go into that and you say, okay, well, now you're working, you know, you know across the board, though, I know, I know college baseball, you know, there's, there's, there's a, a good percentage of guys that have a good catch-play routine. But the question is, is who's actually monitoring it and who's actually paying attention? Is there any accountability with each throw? And there's not. Ed Service is the best in the business, creating university, right? And Ed's down there the whole time, right? Breaking it down and watching each thrower, right? So when you look at Nolan, he, Nolan's – I coached Nolan in, in high school with the Ericos, but I don't know him personally. And I just text actually his um, his um, his kind of like mental game coach who's a good friend of mine. And I, and I sent a picture of Brooks Robinson this morning. I just did this morning. Brooks Robinson with 16 gold gloves. Okay, now, Brooks didn't start getting his gold gloves till later. Nolan got him year one, and he's the only rookie in the history of the game to have a gold glove. And then he continued for 10 straight years. He's only in his 10th season, and he has 10 for 10. Brooks Robinson didn't ha did not have that. Okay, But Nolan's been intentional. And this is my, like my outside perspective of Nolan. My greatest strength is my preparation. My greatest strength is my preparation, and I'll beat you with my mind. See, Nolan, when I talk about bad feet, he doesn't necessarily have bad routes. And he's on time, and he has a great first step. But he's not that athletic. His feet are a little heavy. He's a little stiff. And, you know, and going up, he was always a little overweight. He was a little chubby, a little chunky, very stiff. And, and you, know, you wonder why he's always going down with one hand. I truly believe it's because it's a, the lack of flexibility. 
And so he's mastered one hand and everybody else doesn't need to, we need to be masters of both hands, right? But Nolan's like more one hand than two. But when you watch him get to posture, he still has a humped back. He has a humped back and he has a hard time and his knees bow out. And it's the same posture he had when he was 17 years old. Now he's improved on, but he's a master of preparation. His greatest strength is his preparation and he wins with his mindset. And so you take a guy like Nolan and I, and I call it the, the six tool triangle. And, you know, you're thinking about the best in the game. So you go football, basketball, baseball. My opinion, Nolan is the greatest infielder of all time. And I'm just going to tell you why, because his hitting numbers are off the chart. Who hits like Nolan every year and has a gold glove every year. And who's a tremendous teammate. He never complains. It's never about him. Like, I think he's the best, arguably, maybe to ever play the game. And so you, you look at Nolan, you go, okay, well, we look at Ozzie Smith. You look at guys like that. You look at uh, uh, Vizquel. You know, Vizquel has 10. Ozzie has, um, I believe Ozzie has 14. Or, well, actually, Ozzie has 12. And you look at these guys, you go, their contribution was not Nolan's as a bat. They're not hitting 40 jacks, hitting 120 to 140 RBIs, you know, on a regular season, plus the gold glove, right? But Nolan's priority is preparation, preparation, preparation. So if you go to basketball and you take Steph Curry, Steph Curry is a seven athlete on a 10 scale. Arguably, he's a seven on a 10. And when he signed his contract, his report, his scouting report said he will not be a starter in the NBA. He will be a good bench player. Average athleticism. That's Steph Curry. Well, what separates Steph Curry? His greatest strength is preparation. He wins with his mind. Then you go to Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is arguably a seven out of 10, right? And you go, hey, he's, he's not the most elite mover. And if you did a combine, he's not going to be at the top. He's going to be mid, mid-range, right? He's a seven on a 10. In the football world, his greatest strength is preparation. He wins with him. He's the greatest of all time. Steph Curry's the greatest of all time for what he does. And Nolan Aaron, I was the greatest of all time. And they're all seven out of 10. So what I love about it is you go this, check it out. Hey, Ryan, you weren't a 10 athlete and neither were I. You can't, who did, who did you just see at the minor league game the other day? Who's probably a 10 athlete. It's holiday, right? Yeah. One of them and their second baseman. Okay. So you got two 10 athletes and just cause you're 10 athlete doesn't mean you're going to be a 10 performer, right? See Nolan and, and, and Patrick and Steph, those guys are seven athletes, 10 performers, right? How do they do it? They all do it with an elite process. And so when I'm looking at these guys, how they prepare, I was just at the Stanford camp working seven straight days, eight. I don't know if anybody's ever done. And by the way, when you work these camps, as you know, right, it's a concentrated amount of time. You, if, if you're tuned in, you'll learn more because you have this, this constant test group and they just keep coming and you've never had an opportunity. Like you're a college coach. You got your, what, 12 guys, eight guys, whatever you got, right? Six guys. Depends I ran a lot spring. of camps this, though. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> You got all these camps, but the camp is not based on just you doing infield. You're, you're doing all these different pieces. And I have a hundred infielders in seven days coming in every 45 minutes. It's a new group. And I'm watching how they play catch. And, and so what I like to do is say, I want to watch you guys play catch for five minutes. Go play catch. For, so, so we see what they do. And what we see is their greatest strength is not their preparation. And they don't win with their mental fortitude of how they think and how they prepare. And guys like Nolan, guys like Steph, guys like Patrick Mahomes, they win with their mind. Now, you think of a, a college coach. How many years did you have the best talent in the country? You were the number one talented prospect. You don't. You're never going to have it. You go, How are we going to beat an LSU? How are we going to beat a Vanderbilt? How are we going to beat a Stanford? How are we going to beat these guys that have you know, better talent on the talent scale? And then you go, okay, as a player now, if I want to win a job, I go to the minor leagues now, and I'm telling you right now, you will not be the most talented infielder. You're going to have guys from Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, and United States of America, guys that run faster, another guy throws harder, another guy moves better, he's more flexible, right? The talent, it's not about winning with talent. 
It's about winning with preparation, 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 preparation. So the question is, is how do you prepare better? Now, the greatest story I've ever seen is Royce Lewis. And we've had three, and we talked about the identity uh, in the last episode was the loser at the bottom. He doesn't even want to play catch. And it's just, he, he has a losing mindset. He's not necessarily a loser, but he has a losing mindset, right? He's not, he doesn't want to play catch, right? Well, you go to the C CEO all the way at the other end, he is striving for excellence with each throw. ICADs are acronym for intensity, consistency, and attention to detail. Intensity, consistency, and attention to detail. Now you go, okay, I'm a CEO. And if I'm preparing like a CEO and my identity is to be an elite athletic thrower with plus command, that's Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado is a CEO and his identity, along with being a CEO, is his greatest strength is preparation and he wins with his mind and he's an elite athletic thrower with plus command, right? So now how do we take that into our practice setting? And I was just looking at our numbers just recently of, of major league infielders that I've coached. There's 17 right now that are in the big leagues right now. And a couple just got brought up this year. And it's not about me coaching them as big leaguers or having an opportunity to be around them. As you know, you've coached big leaguers too. It's just learning from their trail. What do they do different and what don't they do different? And all the guys that struggle right now, I could go through the roster from, from Kevin Padlow. He's a part-time guy with the Angels. He's up and down. He's not playing much. And you go Mark Mathias, part-time guy with, 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 with Pittsburgh, right? He's, he's, he comes in sometimes late, but he's on the bench. He's in the big leagues, right? And, and, and I train those guys. And I'm going, what separates those guys? It's the little things, what Nolan does, right? It's the little things. Colton Wong was a catcher in college at the University of Hawaii. He was a converted catcher, becoming a second baseman to a gold glover to the, the best second baseman in the world. Catcher, second baseman to the best in the world. In the last year, he had the most errors. How did he go from the, the best to the worst in one season? And that's why I texted after I was thinking about that, because I'm preparing this morning. And I'm thinking about Colton, because I spent a lot of time in the Big Island with Colton and his dad, his brother, Keen, and also a major leaguer. And thinking about Colton, Colton was a self-made player. He's a catcher who's like 5'6", who becomes the best second baseman from a small island where it rains every day. Every day it rains, right? He becomes the best in the world. The next year, which was last year, he becomes the worst. He leads the major leagues in errors. It's like, how did he do it? What is the difference in that season? Well, I text Nolan's uh, trainer this morning, and I said, I sent that picture. I said, please remind Nolan to not stop grinding because he's seven away from being the greatest of all time and you know what happens? We lose our process. We forget where we came from. So it's building that process and being consistent with that process. I'm glad you brought up Ed Service, by the way, because I love Ed. Um, he's an anti-long toss guy. And they didn't make a throwing error all year on the infield with their infielders at Creighton. And he he's not a long toss guy. And they don't have any injuries either. So I need to get a hold of him. Now, they throw every day. like that, And, you know, and I think you see that with the, with the Latin guys – where they throw every day. So, you know, I think as long as you're getting your reps in and you're not taking those reps off, that's where your arm gets acclimated to what you're doing. Now they throw on a line every day and they get out a little right. bit, but he's 90 to 120 feet and that's it on a line. And and so they, they don't long toss at all with their infielders at Creighton. Yeah, and I would say too, on that note, it's like, okay, well, let's take it, really get into the context of it. What is the arm strength now of his players and, and how does their arm strength multiply he might say, I'm not in the business of player development. I'm in the business of winning and consistency. So he might say, that's why I don't. I mean, the question really is, like you said, you need to get a hold. What is the true Proofs on the pudding, though. Like they made no yeah. they made no throwing errors. Right. But maybe they throw more on a line working different footwork patterns. So so there's more to, right? You, you, go, Let's get into this, Ed, really. 
because yeah, you're not playing long toss, but also, you know, what's the velocity of your guys across the diamond? And also, you know, what could you do? Like I was talking to one of my players last night and he went from 92 to 96 in the last week. And now the question is, is how, how long is his arm going to stay healthy? Right. And does he have throwing errors? So you, you, you have to find that balance. And like you said, Ed is the best. My business is to build major. I mean, of course, you want to build major college players that are going to succeed at the college level. But but the next all these guys want to play in the big leagues. So it's like, OK, you, you throw 84 across the diamond, you don't make a throwing error. You're not going to stay in this game very long. So maybe in the offseason, we get into the long toss. And maybe Ed's like, I don't throw long during the season because it's distracting. We don't have time. And now we can focus on priorities. One of my buddies, Mike Rouse, who's major league shortstop for the A's, I asked him, I said, Mike, you know, you're only 5'7", you're a major league shortstop, and you look pretty average. Why are you a big leaguer? And this is what he said. He said, I've been playing catch since I've been 12 with my dad, long toss. We played long toss. He would give me 100 balls in a bucket. He had me throw long twice a week since I was 12. He goes, I've never stopped throwing. And he told me, he said, if, if you want your nephew, because when Javen was 16, I'm, I'm checking in with Mike, getting you know, input and advice on what he did. You know, because major leaguer's arm, they don't break down. Right. And so I'm going, Mike, you know, what did you do? He said, I played long toss twice, twice a week when I was young and I played catch every day. He goes, when Javen's playing basketball at high school, tell him to just go down and just play catch. It's not about length. It's just about using the arm. Right. So check this out. He goes, you know, it's kind of interesting. He goes in the big leagues. I never played long toss ever during the season. Right. And it's like, what, a six months. It's, it's a long season. But then he goes, but wait a minute. Every throw I throw between innings is in the six hole on a line and he goes i did play long toss but i didn't play long toss right yes so it's fascinating because he's a major league shortstop with success with a healthy arm not knowing but he's throwing it on a line like you're saying so that could be more of like what, what ed service is talking about maybe. yeah he's getting his reps in hey your presentations have a little bit of a spiritual almost a, like going to church feel has it always been that way for you or did it take you a little bit to develop that it's cool. That, that that makes me feel good because my my whole mission really, I mean, is is like Nolan and these guys. I mean, it's like they care about their faith, right? We're faith driven, and it's like I was ta- I was talking to my my sister last night about it. I'm like, if if you don't have faith outside of baseball, and, and you know our faith, our Christian faith. Let's talk. We come from a Christian country now. There's all kinds of religions, you know, but we're, but our foundation here is a, it's a Christian based country, right? And when you look at the majority of the population, we're a Christian-based country still today. Well, Christianity gives you boundaries and it gives you checkpoints to constantly, it gives you accountability, right? And so if you don't have it, I'm free every day to do whatever I want according to how I feel. Well, the problem is, is my feelings are not guiding me in the right place often, right? Due to temptations and also just how I feel. And so I'm going, you know, if we don't have this, 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 this value system, and most people today don't, they make up their own values, right? So as a coach, what are your values? And as a player, what are your values? Because your values build your perspective, which build your thought process, right? But if I don't have values, I have nothing. I'm just floating. And, and you know, in a large percentage of floating. So when I finished playing, I became a youth pastor. And then I ended up getting a master's degree in Christian leadership, youth family development. So I'm studying this and I'm a youth pastor and so everything, every time I'm sitting in church, I'm reading a Bible verse, I'm, I'm, I'm applying it to baseball. You know, like the double-minded player, the double-minded man is unsteady as the waves of the sea, blown back and forth by the wind. This type of person should expect to receive nothing in life. Well, that's straight biblical. The double-minded person 
right? You have to have your values in place and commit to them. Well, it's the, the, like, oh, the double-minded player, right? I'm thinking about, should I backhand it or should I get in front? Oh, I'm double-minded. Boom, I just blew the ball, right? You don't have time to be double-minded. We're single-minded, present. You can't be caught in between. So my whole journey is, is a youth pastor and a, and a pastor and, and as a coach, um, I realized one, you know, the full circle, the full circle. It's something that I've really completed over the last, it took me 30 years to complete it, but basically you have the five physical tools, which is a part of the circle. So that's run, hit, field, throw, hit for power, right? So our players are out there. They're all striving to be cool, throw harder, hit farther, right? Run faster. But it's a small piece of the circle because yeah, that's attractive, right? And that gets coaches to see you, but now you go to the sixth tool, the mental makeup, right? The focus, the energy, the confidence, the bounce back and the preparation, we call that the grinder, the dirtbag, the bulldog, the rock and the rat, and the acronym is GDBRR. So we have the five mental makeup components of the six tool, the five physical tools, the five mental makeup components of the six tools. So the five tools, six tool, and then you have the seventh tool, which we've we put together over the last five years. And now it's, it's a whole circle. And it's like, if you lack one of them, the seventh tool is rest, reflection, planning, family, faith, prayer recovery, friends, choices. It's everything else we don't pay attention to, but on the top is faith and family, right? And all the greatest from the John Woods of the world to all of them, and even the Bryce Harpers, all of them, their faith and family is on the top. Mike Trout's lived at home till he was what, like 23? He's living in the basement. Nolan Arenado's living at home till he's like 25 in San Diego. It's like their family is absolutely, we need to look at Jeremy Pena. Jeremy Pena, when he won the gold glove and, and they won the World Series, I did a tweet on it. He's sitting there. The first thing he says is, mom, dad, man. Then they go to Dusty. Dusty, he's going, man, I'm just seeing my mom right now, my dad, right? And you're like, dude, right? Faith, family. And they're all faith-based too, Jeremy and, and you know, and, and not everybody's at the same level, but it's like, it's that driving force. So yeah, if you don't complete the circle, it's it's called Kokoro in Japanese, Kokoro. And Kokoro is total well-being, mind, body, spirit completing the circle, the three independent entities, entities becoming one, working together, mind, body, spirit. So if I work my body all the time, but I won't work my mind, right? Then I'm missing, the circle is not complete. But I go to church all the time where I'm, I'm working on my spiritual, my, my spirituality, my faith, right? But I'm not working my tool, right? I'm missing. And you know, a lot of these kids are running around chasing this travel ball dream of getting a scholarship. And they're losing because they're not realizing the sixth and the seventh tool. And you look at Mahomes, you look at Arenado, you look at Curry, they complete the circle. They're men of faith. They're six tool minded. They got their minds right. They have their minds right. And they build their tools, their craft every day. But it's the balance and there's not time for all this other stuff. So it's a beautiful journey because I'm looking at the guys that don't make it. And that's most, as you know. Some and of most of it's discipline. Off. I mean, they have talent, but a lot of it's discipline. They they get sidetracked along the journey and they don't have anything that pulls them back onto the path. We're all going to get sidetracked as humans. They just don't have anything or enough discipline or enough support structure. Family has, has a lot to do with support structure to be able to pull you back on the path when you need to. Right. And we just we just had the area code trials the last two days. I just came up from, from Los Angeles and, you know, these are the top, you know, I'm looking at the commits because it lists because the, the college coach and scouts are there today. And this is the final day of the trial, which was yesterday, was, was two days ago. I drove back in the evening. And so you're looking at the commits. This is all you see. Vanderbilt, LSU, Stanford, Oregon State, Arizona, UCLA, USC. And as you know, it's more West Coast, you know, dominant. 
but all the Pac-12s and, and, you know, LSU, Vanderbilt, and some of these top schools from the other side, right? And you go in Texas and you're going, I mean, you're just going down this list. Now, when we pick the final team, every guy will be, you know, arguably a top five draft pick prospect. Now, we do this thing in the beginning and we do it every year. We say, your, your mentor, the most important person in your life, every single one of them, and I've been doing this for 20 years, and, and it's really, it's taught me so much about the circle, the seventh tool, the faith, the family, the reflection, the rest, right? The planning. That's what these guys do better than everybody. They all go mom and dad, all of them. It's unbelievable. My dad is, is the most important person to me, my mom. And the guys that are coming from broken homes that are struggling, finding that mentor and that figure, you see them. They're always like they're the double-minded player. They're all over the place. They can't commit to anything and they have no discipline because they, they lack that base. Now, what about a player that doesn't have that? Well, you know, that's our job as coaches and teammates, right? And you come, you, but, but coaches aren't great at it. Dave Esker at Stanford, I was just up there for the last week. Dave, Dave is special. It's like his players, Trevor House, I was working with the two, the two shortstops. I had the opportunity to coach them both since they were 12. And three of their infields I coached since they were 12. And Tommy Troy, by the way, is going to, is today the first day of the draft? Today's day one? Uh, I yeah, I think tonight, right? I think it is tonight. Yeah, so Tommy Troy is the third baseman of Stanford, and I have the opportunity to coach Tommy since he's been about 12, and he's going to be, he'll be probably top 15 picks. And you got Owen Cobb, who was the, the starting shortstop. He'll be top five rounder. And then Trevor Haskins, who was going to be the starting shortstop, ended up getting mono in the beginning of the season, and he ended up injuring his hand. So you got three guys that, that are they're, they're crossy guys in the infield. And I look at these guys, and this is what Trevor just told me, because I was just there, and he's sticking around because he's getting ready. He's not in the cape right now because he's trying to re rehab and get better. And so we spent some time training after the camp, and he goes, he goes, Nate, I, have, I go, I go let, me, let me ask you a question because Coach Esker, I mean, he, he's happy. And it's like, you want to be around him, but I've never been around coach. I mean, I could say the majority of the coaches I've ever played for, you don't really know if you want to be around him because they don't like, they don't make you feel like they want you to be around him. And like, and it's like, Coach Esker is like, you just want to be around him. And he goes, Nate, let me tell you, it is different. And I go from the outside in and knowing Coach Esker from the outside in, not being in your dugout, I go, it, it's, it's different, huh? And he goes, I have 35 brothers, 35 brothers. And he goes, man. And I go, I don't know if that exists anywhere. That's like a 1%, right? And so if I have 35 brothers and I have a little bit of a broken home, or I don't have consistency at home, right? But I got 35 brothers. And then I got Coach Esker, right? And they've won, they've been in the World Series the last three years. I know, it's amazing. Three years. It's amazing. Nobody talks about it enough because, I mean, it's, hey. it's hard to get there. It's as we see every year. It's really hard to get there. They've been there three years in a row. By the way, he's cooking breakfast. Great picture of him cooking breakfast before camp for the camp coaches. You know what? You know what he was cooking? Look at street tacos, he, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he's cooking. He, he's a master of chips. So he's got his tortillas. Right? Yeah, he saw. Where'd you see that at? I saw it on Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah, you got oh, a shout out because again, that's just the type of person he is. He's running a camp. Stanford camp is a big deal, and he's cooking chips for the coaches before camp you know you know what he told me i go i go uh everybody calls him esky but i don't know they call they call coach dots three two and coach mark was nine and, and for some reason i don't know i just call him by their name so I, I call him dave i'm the only guy in the world calls him dave probably so i'm like dave man these these chips are awesome he said you know what he goes i used to do this in college so i didn't have to hang out with the crowd he goes, so I didn't have to hang out with all the guys doing the things that you're more supposed to be doing. And it was interesting because I said, Dave, 
I started playing the guitar in college for that simple reason. So I can travel the road, less travel. And everybody's like, oh, that's cool. Nate plays the guitar. Oh, oh, Dave's over there making chips, right? He, he's the master. And, but he's doing it with a smile, like you said. And he's serving the people. It's like the servant leader. It's like, dude. And, and not to, not to, you know, I worked at, I've been in that camp for the same as I've been with the Brewers. It's been like 20 years. So I've seen coaches after coaches after coaches. Now, Coach Asker is the only coach, only coach. I'm talking the elite coaches. You know, the D3 guys will talk to you anytime. And then NAI guys, they're all going to talk, right? But the Power 5 guys sometimes are, are not real friendly. And I'll tell you, some of them, it took me 7 to 15 years for any of them just to say hi to me. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. These guys are from elite pride. I don't want to, I don't want to say any names, but I could go down the, down the list. I'm going, it took you 12 years to, and maybe it's, you know, you know, the pretty girl, everybody's like, what's wrong with her? She's so insecure. No, she, she's, she's actually unsure of herself and she doesn't know how. So we read it wrong. So I don't want to read it wrong, yeah. but the problem is they don't have this great communication skill to connect. Right. And players need to have that family, not only at home, but they need to find it right in the day. And that's why what Jay Johnson does, right. Jordan Thompson was showing that picture. And he hasn't changed. Jay hasn't changed. You know, I've known Jay since he was recruiting at USD and he hasn't changed. You know, I know people that don't know Jay from the outside looking in, you can say whatever you want about the transfer port or whatever, but that's the hand they've all been dealt that, you know, go play those cards. You've all been dealt those cards. He, for me, I've been texting back and forth with him last couple of days to get him lined up to, to come record on the podcast because I haven't had him yet. And he's still the same guy to, for me. He's still the same guy he's always been. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, who helps you stay on your schedule? Your schedule is insane. Like who helps you? Cause you have like a yeah. Jack Kerouac. I'm a huge beat writer fan. You have like a Jack Kerouac on the road feel with your schedule. <laughs> who helps you stay on top of your schedule? Well, one thing too, is that people don't even really know my schedule. So I do probably 10 times more than what people see. Um, so, um, yeah, I have, I have a full-time guy that it's, you know, it's like, I, I was in the music industry slightly. And in when I was 30 after coaching for a while i'm like you know what i'm gonna do this music thing so i was playing at church i was leading the i was leading the bands and we had a band in the evening and it was like anyway so i'm not gonna go into that but 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 so so for the music side you know i realized if you don't have a manager you can never make it yeah. because you can't do it all right you're writing songs you're trying to perform you're trying to manage your schedule so it really um you know i learned fast it's like i kept missing event like 15 years ago i'm, I'm missing i'm missing and it was like even even the first zoom we had for the abca last year getting ready i missed because i'm flying everywhere and my it's just like it's like it's i give tough. you grace so, yeah, on I, that though like i know your schedule and i know i know you've got a lot going so i always give people grace on that i don't ever judge people on any of that stuff i give people grace on that especially for you because i i know your schedule probably better than than anybody else does with how much stuff you're into <laughs> Hey, do so you have a reason for it? Yeah, go the ahead. reason for the schedule just quickly. The reason for it is, is when I was like in my tw early twenties, I started coaching the minor leagues cause I had arm, I, I've had seven arm surgeries. And so I'm like, you know what? Coaching is, is, is where I'm, where I'm going to be. So I started coaching and I realized that there's a lot of holes to be filled, right? There's a lot. And it's like, but, but, but coaches don't have time man. they're managing rosters and uniforms and schedules. And it's like an, an administration. So I'm like, I'm going to step out of the, the full-time coaching world. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow the best. And I called the, I knew the area codes was the best. And I called the, the general manager. He doesn't know me. First off, I'm 23. I called Jerry Weinstein. I go, Jerry, can I come down and hang out? I hang out with him for like five years, Cal Poly. 
And then I go, you know, I call Eric goes, I say, Corey Rodriguez, you don't know me, but man, could I, and you know, I end up being a brewer scout eventually. And I know I'm on staff, you know, for the last 15 years as a part-time scout. And, but my, my main role is really the area codes. But my, my point is, is that I've just spent my time surrounding myself learning and, and then go, and then I want to fill the holes that these guys need to fill. I'm in the business of construction management. It's filling holes and writing blueprints where you were time, you know, like the poster I just sent you, the 10 release points that doesn't exist the 10 release points. And do you have to necessarily have all 10? Not necessarily, but you need to have a hybrid. You need to know where your sweet spots are, right? So anyways, that took me six months. And then the six sequences to throwing, that took me another six months. And so it's like, I'm on this mission for the next 20 years to really, to, to have the most dynamic information so that coaches can say, thank you. I've wanted that. I thought about that, or I wasn't sure about that. Thank you. And so that's, that's really kind of my mission to really stay away like we have we have almost 100 travel teams now and i stay away from them now we have you know general managers and team guys all over the country and they manage i just do a once a month zoom we do a mental game player development and um and a recruiting uh, zoom talk about an hour and a half once a month with all the players they all jump on with the coaches so that's my focus and i do a boot camp uh like i'll be i'll go to texas i'll do a boot camp with our texas guys i'll go to arizona and i go to san diego and so I'm running around doing these two-day boot camps that are not, we don't hit ground balls. We don't take BP. It's it's everything you don't work on. And so, you know, so we work on the first step for three hours. How do you have a great first step? And we just did that at our camp with, with Tyler. I'm doing Torrey, an infield you know, camp tomorrow with, with uh, five to five to 12 year olds. And it's going to yeah. be a lot of first step, a lot of prep step, <laughs> a lot of first step. That's awesome. Where are you doing the camp at? Uh, Scott Bankhead runs the North Carolina Baseball Academy, so he's about 10 minutes from our office. I've gotten to be good friends with him, so I'll go over and help him every once in a while, especially with the little guys. I like, I still like working with the youngsters. Um, the- you know, the high school guys, not as much. I, you know, I'll, I'll go over and do some pitching stuff with some of the high school guys, but it's more for the little guys. I like being around the little guys. They're pure, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. they're eating it up. And you just – I think you're in that, too. You're, you know, it's part of serving. You know, baseball's been good to both of us, so I, I do want to try to give back as much as I can. Hey, do you have a fail-forward moment? Do you have something you thought was going to s- set you back, but looking back now, it's uh, something that helped you move forward? Yeah, I, th- I think that, um, you know, we have a lot of major leaguers in my family. There's there's four, and there's almost 10 minor leaguers, you know, so it's like we're professionals from top to bottom. So, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to be a big leaguer too, right? I'm thinking – you know, this is, this is what I do. And, and, and my greatest strength was my preparation. And, you know, but I think learning to win with your mind is special and we all can do it, but we're not getting that, that guidance. And we don't have like that mental performance coach, you know, a lot of us couldn't even afford it. And we don't have time. We're trying to study. We're trying to, you know, have our family time, school time, you know, it's, it's tough. So it's like my greatest strength was my preparation. I have the, 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 um, genetics i have the bloodline my grandpa's i started getting older realized that my grandpa's my grandpa's the greatest rookie of all time his rookie numbers are 330 average 142 rbis and 35 home runs that's at the age of 20 and him and ted williams are very close and in their strikeout total by the way hitting 142 rbis and 45 doubles 45 doubles and only 49 strikeouts we talked about that after the after your youth stage talk. We sat when we had dinner. You and I sat and talked about that. About those guys did not swing and miss. Right. So I think so. So so I'm going. You know, this is my journey. This is where I'm going. And so, 
as I started to get in, you know, injuries, my, my senior year, I had, I had five surgeries following my senior year and I, and I had a, a good senior year, but, but it's like, no one wants an injured, but I didn't really, I see, I see, I didn't have all the stuff that I teach didn't exist or you couldn't find it. So it's like, so that that's my part of my mission. It's like, how do we build players that can, that can be strong in their faith, that can stay on the road, less traveled and not conform because they're conforming to the wrong population, right? And, when you, and so I'm going, how do we live clean lives like Curry, like Mahomes, and like Arenado? But you can just go down the list, the elite, the pool hosts. I mean, it's, it's unreal. It's like, how can we sustain a faith-filled life? And you might say, I, I don't have a Christian faith. That's okay. Uh, you know, everybody's in their own space at the moment. But it's like, you still need those values. Yes. Because those values are what gonna, are going to give you navigation for a successful and consistent every, life. Right? Every religion, every faith has values, by the way. Like th right. they all have certain values. So like whether you're Christian or you believe in something else, whatever you believe in is going to have certain values that are set up for whatever you believe in. So it, it, it all goes down to having values and pillars. Right. And again, something right. to bring you back on the path when you stray. Right, right. So then so then I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm injured. It's over. And then, so I go into, I'm like, what am I going to do? And I got, I have five surgeries, senior year done. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Well, my, my brother's working. Uh, he's actually in a youth group and, and he says, Hey, you, you want a job working in our, in our youth group? And it's just a, a Christian church down in Carmel, California, right outside of Pebble beach. And, and I was like, and he's like, yeah, you know, you play guitar and we, you know, we, we can use a guy who can play guitar. And he was all, I'll set you up with, with the youth director. And so I started to do youth ministry and I was like, I was always the guy who never, but which is the majority who don't want to be in front of people to talk. It's not about me. I don't like the light on me. It's like, you know, I just want to do my thing. And that's a, that's a lot of people. And very few people like to be in front and teach and like motivate. And it's like, you know, and, it's like, and then the Bible, I'm teaching the Bible, man, that's a big book. Right. And I'm, I'm supposed to be teaching it. Like I'm, I'm, I know what I'm saying. And so there's all this stuff going on. I'm going, so, but I go into it and I just do it. And after my second year, I'm like, you know, this isn't really for me meaning being a pastor full time, but um, what's for me is my ability to motivate and to work with people. So I realized that that's where my gift was. And so I, I got I, I got hired and there was a local minor league team here in Salinas, California. There was Salinas Peppers and they hired me as a 22 year old kind of, you know, just kind of do everything infield base running outfield, you know, but he just kind of just said, Nate, whatever I would need you to do, you can just do so. Anyway, so I started doing that. And I realized that my true gift is the ability to be creative as a teacher, to see holes, fill them, and to motivate. And, and you know, as I speak, it's like when I speak at these conventions, people come up to me and older men, even at the one we just did ABCA, I'm getting text messages, guys saying, you know, I'm 75 years old. I've been to 900 conventions and I've never been inspired like I was in that hour. And I'm going, you know, God gave me a gift, but that's my gift. My gift is not to be a big leaguer. So now I embrace that gift. And everybody thinks they want to be big leaguers, but that's great. Travel that road, but notice where you're going to end up because your gifts, okay, are going to end up revealing themselves. And then when you embrace that gift, you're you're so happy because you're so good at what you do without even trying. Like Griffey, right? Griffey's just, he's just Griffey. He doesn't even need to hit the T. He don't need to hit, he don't need to do nothing. He's just Ken Griffey, right? He's the best. Well, for me, it's it's very similar, and I realize that I'm getting on the stage. Even though I'm nervous as heck, I'm like, man, this ain't easy. It's a good thing, but man. One... Those butterflies are a great thing. Yeah. It equals great performance, those butterflies. You have to have them. If you want to have a great performance, you have to have those butterflies. 
Right. Little, little, little adrenaline boost right there, baby. So, so anyway, so I found it. So basically you go, man, I'm not a big leaguer, but you know what? I am a big leaguer because I'm, I'm developing, you know, lot, you know, changing lives, changing people's lives. And, you know, Stanford just alone, we're talking about Stanford. There's seven guys on that roster that I coach and there's, there's three guys in the infield and, and those guys are going top, you know, top picks, Eddie Park center field coached him since he was 12. He's going to be probably third rounder, you know, but, but it's not about me coaching them. It's just about our relationship and the impact that, that we're having. And you're going, we're changing lives. And, and that's way better than playing in the big leagues. I mean, that's pretty cool. But when did you leave Iowa? Iowa, baby. So my, my, uh, my whole family's from Iowa. And then my mom and dad at the age of 16, my mom was 16 in high school. My dad was 18 in high school. They got married and I, they got married and got on a train and came out here. And back then parents were like, okay, see you later. You know, they're both from the farm. My dad's father's the big leaguer and his brother's a big leaguer. And my mom's father is a horse farmer and they're from, uh, Lisbon, Iowa and Mount Vernon, Iowa. Um, and, and uh, Cedar Rapids, kind of a combination. And Lynn so, anyway, so they, they just Lynn County, yeah, so, <laughs> Iowa boy. So they just came out, sixteen and eighteen, and they built a family in Carmel, California. My dad says, "I want to go to the most beautiful place in the world." So he chose Carmel, right? You know, Pebble Beach is ridiculous. It's, it's, and then I, you know, and so anyway, so they came out, and so, so we would just go back. So we were the only family that is not in Iowa. So we go back and visit, and uh, my mom's there right now at a family reunion. I wasn't able to go because I have, like you said, my schedule. I'll be in Ohio tomorrow. And and um, and so anyway, so yeah, so they're all there. We're the only family that kind of came out. Do you have any routines that keep you? I mean, your your faith probably is a routine that helps you stay on top of everything. Do you have any set routines, daily routines that you do that you like? Yeah, I do. Um, I do. I do about two hours of metal game every day. Um, and I call it. And there's a book called Mind Gym, but 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 I'm, I'm referring to it. I call that my Mind Gym time. It's like, you know, you, whatever you spend your time and you make a priority, you become really good at. And and if I realize as a player, I'm not going to win with my talent over time. You can't out talent people because there's always going to be guys that run faster, throw it harder, hit it farther. So you go, how am I going to win? So once you realize, if I spend all my my gym time in the gym and or on the field, I'm still never going to be good enough because my greatest strength is how I think. And so it's my preparation and how I think. So once I really realize, and what happens though is, is I'm instilling this perspective into players. They go, wait a minute, that's true. I go, when you sign up an A-ball contract or you go to Vanderbilt, I'm telling you right now, you know, we got a guy going to Vanderbilt. He'll be going in this year. And it's like, I go, Cam, you have to win with your mind and your preparation. I go, and he's Team USA. I go, because there's two other guys there that I coached and they're starting. Excuse me. So this is what he did. He goes into his uh, his visit, which was about two months ago, with all the recruits. And Coach Corbin's talking in their meeting room. And he's in there, and Coach Corbin's talking for about an hour. And he's looking around the room, and he's going, how am I going to beat these guys with my mind? He goes, I'm going to take better notes, because we've already talked about being an 80 learner, an 80 listener, an 80 note taker, and then 80 in the department of reflecting and then dialoguing what you learn. So he's been hearing this forever. So he's in that room and he's going, I got that guy beat, that guy beat, that guy beat. He's just, just, just chalking him off. Boom, that guy. And then he writes me right after the meeting. He goes, coach, I got him all beat already. My greatest strengths, how I think and my preparation. And, but, but we're teaching him a new perspective because he's just, he's just probably one of the shortest guys. He's, you know, he's 5'10". 
you know, he's, he's not the tallest. He's not the, he doesn't run. The, he's, he's a he's a six nine runner. Once again, right? How are you going to win? So, knowing that um, as a coach, what was your question? I'm sorry, I'm kind of going round about. Now we're we're good. Well, you know, with infielders, you don't have to be big. Look at Zach Neto. Oh, you're Zach, talking about routine. You're talking yeah, about, routine. talking about routines. Okay. You know, but but you talk about it's not that's the best thing about baseball is you don't have to be big zach netto was at campbell last year and he's in the big leagues already with the angels and he's 5 10 5 11 ish now he can really hit but he he makes all the throws that you like like he can make every throw you know that's when you went and watched him play at campbell last year that stuck out stuck out about stood out about him is he made every throw he looked like a big league shortstop already and he has advanced feel at the plate you know, and you talked about Aaron Nato, you know, that's a thing. Those guys still can hit. You know, I, right. I know they play elite defense, but in order to get there and stay there, you got to be able to hit too. You know, they have everything. That's the impressive thing about those guys that make it and stay up there is they have everything. They have the defensive component, but they also can do everything at the plate too. And it's due to prioritizing, right? And Carlos Gray last year, they're asking me, said, Carlos, every year you're one of the best defenders in the league, if not the best. And he, he just said, it's all prioritizing. You know, it's like my defense is a priority. And, and most guys don't have the availability of someone in their circle to develop them, to, to, to not maintain. I was talking to to Paul Giannis. You know, Paul, he's at um, Rice. He's input coach I tried Rice. to get Paul to come play for me in the summer when I was oh, coaching at Quincy. Really? He chose uh, Team USA over Quincy, Illinois. So I remind <laughs> Paul that a lot. <laughs> it's awesome. That's classic, man. Paul, wow, you, wow, that's man. I'm old, man. I'm old. I'm yeah, 49. Oh, really? These these guys you? that that are are coming along now, you know, they, these guys were in college when I was just getting into to coaching and doing summer ball stuff too. So I'm happy for all these guys that are doing well in their coaching career because it's it's fun for me. All right. So Paul Paul was saying we were talking about. I sent him that poster. We were talking about the 10 release points. And he's like, you know, and I was, and I was talking about working with Bobby Wood Jr. this December. And I'm like, you know, Bobby doesn't really know what he's doing. A lot of times he just does it. Right. And he's like, yeah, Bobby is the guy who's good by accident. And, and I love, I love the way he said that good by accident, because a lot of these guys are good by accident. But the problem is when you're good by accident, there's holes in your game and it gets exploited over time. You make 500 plays in a season or in college, you're making roughly 200. It's like, Right. Being good by accident does not repeat with consistency. Right. I make that same play 10 times and I make it eight out of 10. And the other guy who actually prepares for that play, like Nolan, makes it 10 out of 10. So it's like these guys don't necessarily you're going, man, these guys can hit. Yeah, they can. And how many guys are complete plus defenders and plus hitters? Hard to find. Well, the problem is, is there's a shortage of infield development in the world, but there's shortage of all development. And so we find our space our place with our hit tool and now we're athletic i'm i'm good by accident because i have arm strength and i'm athletic so i, I could pull these plays off but now if you take that defender and you say let's work on your your process and that's why we developed the black belt throwing system and the countdown clock because once you've developed the ability to have a skill like i have a you know good good technique in my backhand i understand the different positions now i don't need to do that over and over it's like riding a bike it's like if you ride a bike, like my son is four years old. If we ride the bike on the same flat trail every day for 30 minutes for the next seven years, he'll never get stronger. He'll never get better. 
The only way he'll ever get better is when we start elevating hills, curves, right? And you start challenging him. What happens with these 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 guys is, is no one's there to challenge him. And so they just go back, they do their, their consistent, easy work, and now they don't get better. And it's like my my mission is to we just we just bought two acres in the Dominican Republic on the beach in Boca Chica. And Boca Chica is the baseball basic center. That's where all the majority of all the major league teams are, are just outside of Boca Chica in the Sugar Cane Fields. That's where all their academies are. So about 10 minutes away, that's where it all happens with Major League Baseball, the Dominican Summer League, and all these academies where, where they're all signed players at the age of 16. Well, um, about 10 minutes in, right on the water, right, we just bought two acres and we're going to build. It's being built at the moment. We're working on flattening the ground and cleaning some stuff up and trimming the palm trees and coconut trees. But um, it's about having a place for like a guy like Bobby Witt Jr. doesn't have to train with his dad which his dad's a major league pitcher, but he doesn't know mastery infield mastery. He can maintain Bobby, you know, but he's not teaching Bobby the ins and outs, right? The little things. So that's one of my It's like goals a QB camp. I mean, they got QB, those NFL QB camps. They've got those available for those guys. Even the best of the best, they go every year to those QB camps. Yeah. And they're getting better. Yeah, for sure. Hey, what, right. did you like the infield hot stove this year where we got, we moved the chairs out of the way? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did like it. It was good. I wish I we could. We that. can't do that for all of them because we can't reset the room. It, it would cost us way too much oh, money. Okay. But I, I like that the infield one is last, so we can move the the chairs just to give everybody room. I thought it was. It's almost like speed dating this year, and I think it right. was better for the attendees too because they didn't feel like they were missing anything because they were just going to rotate on the clock. And I, I just felt like it was better for everybody the way that we did it this year. Are you going to do it that way again? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll keep it. Yeah. Yep. You going to come back? Please. Yes. Be honored. <laughs> Good. I love yeah. having you in there. So, well, Nate, I appreciate you doing this, especially after the first go around. Um, you know, it You're was well. a little choppy, but I'll clean it up. But I'm glad we got to do the second part of this, too. So, um, I appreciate you, my friend. Um, you and I are both busy, but as a kindred infield spirit, um, I appreciate you coming on with me, sir. You will. Can, can I close with something? Yes. Have at it, my friend. Super. So, you know, when we think of making a play, when you simplify it to really just simplicity, it's catch the ball, throw the ball, right? The catch and the throw. And so I call the catch the one. I got to catch it. Number two is throw it. And that's not necessarily the priority. It's just the order we're going. You got to catch it. You got to throw it. And so when you think of a, when you think of developing infielders, the majority of our time we spend on number one, the catch. But the struggle is within 1.5, the transfer, and two, the throw. And I want to challenge infield coaches to really rethink how they spend their time. We do all these drills on our knees, on our feet, without a transfer and a throw that matters. If it doesn't really matter, there's no pressure. So now my transfer and throw is easy. But once you put pressure on the drill and they have to transfer and throw it with pressure, with a time constraint, and then there's a level of comp competition, what happens is it becomes the game. So we got the one we're spending the majority of our time on, point, 1.5 we spend very little time on. And what I started doing in the black belt throwing system, we just have transfer day. We go an hour to an hour and a half on just transfer. So hey, today's transfer day. And so now, because that 1.5 is really where the breakdown happens, but it happens before that into the 0.5. The 0.5 is the preparation for the throw within the catch. 
So we're, we, once again, we're working on the catch, we're working on the catch, we're working on the catch. But how about the preparation, the footwork, the route, the route into the footwork to the catch? And then the footwork and transfer out of the catch into the throw. And then now we're building, right, elite athletic throwers with plus command. So we have to spend less time on the one and focus more on the 0.5, the 1.5. And we're going to build guys that are actually race fit. We call them race fit, race ready. Everybody's race fit. Everybody's doing drill work, but they're not race ready. And that's the difference. Race ready means you put me in fight mode where I'm competing. You know what happens? I'm better. And what I saw just this, just I just saw it again. Area code tryout, the best guys in our scrimmage. Guys started having a hard time getting it out. Poor routes to the ball. So now they have less time. And these are the elite guys, but we're spending too much time on our knees and too much time stagnant working the catch you know what used to take care of that in the old days is when you'd play three-man wiffle ball and you had to play pitcher's hands mm. and get pitcher's it hand, get it get it as quick as you could yeah. back to the pitcher like it took care of all that back in in the old days it's funny when we do when we do uh, scrimmage with little guys we'll do ghost runners and as soon as i say ghost runners you can see their wheels spin what's he talking about i'm like we don't have enough guys to run so we got a ghost right. runner at, at first That's base awesome. here so yeah, wiffle ball took care of all that in the old days. So well, that's great. Nate, you're the best. Appreciate you coming on with me. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. God bless you. I was pumped to have Nate on. I've always enjoyed my baseball talks with him. You know, it's always going to be an organic conversation that will go over the map. Thanks again to Jim Richardson, John Litchfield, Zach Hale, Matt West, and Antonio Walker in the ABC office for all the help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at coachb underscore abca, or direct message me via the MyABC app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you.